I've got a story to tell. I've been working on it for a while now, trying to get the words right, tell things in the right order at the right time. It's what you might call a, a memoir, personal nonfiction. Except it, it's not about me. I'm not even one of the characters. But I want to get it right because the right stories change you. They become part of you and, and you're not the same anymore. But this story is different. After it becomes part of you, you become part of it. Now, maybe you've heard some of it before. There are, there are angels and shepherds and a star that was new to the sky. There's a young woman and an innkeeper and eventually a, a baby named Jesus. Like I said, you, you may have heard some of it before, but, but you've never heard it from me. I'm a bit of an amateur historian, but, but I've made my living and, and, and I hope my mark as a doctor. My name is Luke. Historian, physician, writer, they all rely on the same skills. Observation, asking questions, listening to people following your nose, following your, your wonder. I've always been curious about nature, about how things work, how people work, what makes us sick, and, and what makes us well. As a young man, I, I completed my apprenticeship and then set out on my own. I had this hunch that being a physician could take me anywhere, to the busiest town or a quiet farm golden palace or a dirt floor. We're all the same when we're sick. But I quickly discovered we're not all treated the same when we're sick. Where I saw a person's humanity, others saw their status or, or stigma or, or skin. And so I made it my business to see the patients that no one else would see. And it was through one such patient that I heard about another healer who was willing to treat anyone who would come to him. And this man, my, my, my patient swore to me, sat with lepers and cleansed them, rubbed the eyes of the blind and, and made them see, he brought back to life a young girl who had died of a fever. Now, I wasn't sure what I thought about miracles. Sure, I, I'd seen things I couldn't explain, but, but could someone really do these things? It, it didn't sound like medicine to me. But, but the man didn't style himself as a doctor. He was a rabbi. Well, the man's name was Jesus of Nazareth. And plenty of people were telling his story, even then, during his life. Now, I'm not a particularly religious person, and, and I'm not a Jew, so their practices and prophets were, were of little interest to me. But if, if even some of what was said about this man was true, his concern for the poor, for the sick, for people that others overlooked, I had to admit, he, he sounded pretty refreshing for a religious guy, like someone we needed more of. I never met Jesus in the face-to-face -face sense. As you probably know, he was put to death by the Romans. His followers claimed he rose from the dead. 
and form something of a counterculture around that belief. Again, difficult to believe. The claims about this man were swirling, getting bigger and bigger, even after his death. They, they called him Savior. They called him Messiah. They called him Lord. They called him Son of God. I kept my distance for a while, but this question of who Jesus was, what he had or hadn't done, became difficult to ignore. As over the years, I had several encounters with his followers and his critics. In one generation, he had gone from poverty to revolutionizing the way his people thought about God and faith. And he had done it seemingly by traveling the countryside, talking and listening to regular folks. It was so contrary to the way men usually go about getting power. I finally decided I, I wouldn't be true to myself if I didn't follow my instinct and get the facts, a lot like I would with any other important decision. There were other written documents circulating about his life and his teachings, and I read them, but they didn't give the full picture. They didn't tell a whole story. It wasn't like talking to people directly who knew him. So, so, so I set out with a mixture of caution and urgency. And through some connections, I was able to, to visit and stay for a while with some of his followers in, in Galilee. My medical skills opened doors, and, and I found people who treated me with, with kindness and, and openness, even though I, I wasn't one of them. It was like they, they knew what I was looking for, before I did. There was a woman who moved in that circle who, who didn't call attention to herself, but who everyone seemed to treat with respect, almost reverence. Who is she? I whispered one day to a friend. Don't you know, he said, as if he were amazed. She's his mother. It it was like seeing a legend come to life. I mean, quite a few of the followers had known Jesus during his life, but for me, seeing his own mother there across the room, I was drawn to her. The next day, I approached her and, and, and stumbled through an introduction. My name is Luke, I began. The doctor, she said. I couldn't tell if it was a compliment or not. Yes, I said, I've, I've, I've heard many stories about your son. I'm sure, she said. But I'd like to hear another. I'd like to hear yours. Well, she raised an eyebrow, and, and, and I hurried on, gesturing to the people who were around, here because, because her son had changed their lives. How did this happen, I asked. How did it begin? You were there. She sized me up for a minute, and then I saw something flicker in her eye as she decided. She, she patted the stool next to her. Come, Luke, the doctor. 
Yes, my name is Mary, and I was there. In the days when Herod was king of Judea. And, and we sat together for hours. Friends brought us water, and, and when the sun went down, blankets. I didn't dare interrupt her at first, but, but then I asked if I could take some notes, and, and then the questions began bursting out of me. Finally, I said, would it be okay if, if I wrote all this down for a friend? For a friend, she echoed. My friend, Theophilus. And for myself. A writer writes first because he must. Because we tell the stories we need. The stories we think others might need too. And then this woman, Mary, looks at me, her, her gray hair framing her face beneath her shawl, and she smiles. It's a good story, isn't it? She said. Do you believe it? And the thing was, I did. There was something about the way Mary told it that was different from the other accounts and fragments I'd heard. Her story brought it all together, helped it make sense. And, and beyond that, I believed her. I, I believed the details, the tone of her voice as she remembered, how she talked about keeping these things in her heart. It came alive for me that day. So, so, so here it is. The prologue to the story of Jesus Christ according to me. In two quiet nowhere towns, two very unknown women find out they are pregnant. A common situation, but not for either of them. The first, Elizabeth, is an old woman with an old husband and, and no children to comfort her in her aging years. Uh, until an angel appears to her husband, Zechariah the priest, and says, don't give up yet. You're going to have a child. He will be a prophet and he will announce the coming Messiah. Well, Zechariah is not thrilled. Like almost everyone who wanders in and out of this story, when the supernatural steps right in front of them, Zechariah was afraid. I think that's important. It wouldn't be truthful to, to say that he cried tears of joy or that he finally got to ask about the meaning of life. Zechariah was afraid and, and doubtful. It's been hundreds of years since God has spoken directly to his people. So he, he waves the incense away and says, if this is true, give me a sign. And he gets one. He loses his ability to speak. Well, down the road in Nazareth lives Mary. 
a young woman on the edge of adulthood, waiting anxiously to marry the carpenter of her dreams. Life is about to begin. And it does. For the second time that year, an angel is sent to a human, this time to her. And Mary receives the impossible news that she too is going to have a child. Not with Joseph, not yet. Her firstborn will come directly from God himself. And, and this uneducated young girl, who the world thinks so little of, and will think even less of when they find out that her wedding doesn't line up with her due date, this young girl shows up the priest. Because impossible or not, something inside her stands up and says, okay, yes, I don't understand, but I believe. Let it be. In each of us, I think, God buries the potential to say yes to something great. And through God's help, Mary is able to summon that yes and live it. Now make no mistake, though the woman I met 40 years later had seen a lot more life. She'd watched her son, uh, the infant that she had held and, and nursed and loved, grow up to become a man who, who could be very frustrating from a parental perspective. She'd had to say goodbye. She watched him die. She'd had her heart broken, many times probably, but then healed. Because somehow she could always find her way back, even in the hard days, even in the hard years. She could always find her way back to those same words. I don't understand, but I believe. Mary had found, as a young woman, a promise she could grab onto. Not just because of the new life she sensed growing within her, but because she believed fiercely in a God who would do all the things he said he would do, no matter how long ago he said them. And from a distance, it would be easy to call hope like that or faith like that foolish. I know I have. But when you see it up close in a person's life, it, it humbled me. You can't fake that kind of radiance. It comes from another world, and nothing in this world can completely cover it up. The light shines in the darkness, someone has said, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so a woman old enough to be a grandmother bears a child, and her husband, the priest, discovers there's always room to be surprised by God. An unmarried girl conceives a child. And her flustered fiancé discovers his own yes moment, that, that he can be as brave as she is. If this were fiction, it would be a good story. I was astonished that no one had written it down. But if it were true, well, what then? What next? That's what I was asking myself. 
Now, we know, we know when Jesus was born and where because everyone involved anchors it in a little town called Bethlehem. And during the first census of Caesar Augustus, one of the most powerful, ambitious, ruthless men in the world thinks that he is moving people and events according to his will and command. His, his brand of power involves clenching a fist tightly and refusing to yield. And do you see it? His empire will be upended by the faith of a young woman who gives up control. By a king who comes not with an army, but, but as a baby. By a group of local shepherds who start the rumor that he, he's not an ordinary child, that he's the promised one. Well, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Bethlehem is an important town to the Jewish people, though, though not so much to everyone else. Bethlehem is the ancestral home of their former king David, born a shepherd in the Judean hills. Mary's fiancé, Joseph, is a descendant of this David. And so they return to Bethlehem for the census. Just about the point in the pregnancy when you don't want to be riding on a donkey. They had almost no money, Mary told me. And in a crowded town, after a long and frustrating afternoon knocking on doors, the only lodging they could find was, was a dirt floor with, with some animals around. It felt to them as though the whole world was looking down on them, Mary recalled. It was a challenge to believe that, that God was with them in that moment. When Mary's labor began, she was terrified. And, and when it was done, she was exhausted. And she and Joseph were sat staring at this tiny human miracle. Now, now, we know a lot about medicine, that's true. But childbirth and infancy are two of the most dangerous conditions in our world. New parents know this instinctively. And so Mary wrapped Jesus in a blanket as if that could keep him safe. And she put him in a, in a feeding trough stacked with hay and slept. Well, what now? They must have been wondering. The miracle is here. The pregnancy is over. But out in the hills just beyond town, God was working on another part of the story. Because in the tradition of David, there were shepherds out in those hills keeping watch over their flocks that night. And well, none of them could describe it, at least not in a way they could agree on, but an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And, and they were terrified. If, if Mary and Joseph felt as though the whole world was looking down on them, the shepherds would have been happy for, for no one to be looking at them at all, to be left alone without being reminded of all the things they didn't have. Because when they focused on the, on the fire and the sheep and the hills, they could almost believe that this is all there was. Almost. But then an angel appears and says, you are seen. 
I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, the one you've been looking for. And this is how you will know him. You will find a baby swaddled in clothes and lying in a manger. And then the sky erupted with angels, praising God and declaring peace. Well, the shepherds said to one another, staring wide-eyed. You saw that too, right? Did they do that just for us? And they rushed off to Bethlehem, breaking every sort of social convention, peering in windows at night, listening for the cry of a newborn child. And they found one, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. They told the child's parents about the angels, about the message. And on their way out of town, they, they told everyone who would listen because it rang impossibly possible. It rang true. Now, it, it, it wasn't all perfect moments after this. Hard things were going to happen soon and harder things later. Hard things happen to us. Life is hard. The world is still broken. So I think I see why we want to linger at the manger or in the hills or in that room where, where Mary says, I believe. Because this story tells us the sort of God we are dealing with. And why he sent his son the way he did. He's the God of the, of the overlooked and the undervalued. Of, of quiet and lonely places. He, he shows up in back alleys and stables. He's willing to come close. To risk it all for us. D did you know that when Jesus was grown, he... He described himself as a shepherd, but also as a doctor. One day, some, some hyper-religious people came to Jesus. They were upset because he had been eating with sinners. A very unrabbi-like thing to do. Why do you eat with these people? They demanded. They probably weren't expecting an answer, but they got one. Who needs a doctor, Jesus asked, the healthy or the sick? He paused and said, I have come to call sinners. Maybe you don't think you need a doctor, but if you've got a body, you're not healthy, not completely. Some more than others, but, but none of us has perfect health. So Jesus was saying he, He's here for all of us, for everyone. And sin, evil, whatever you want to call it, we've got that too. I came to that conclusion on my own. We're not okay. We may not kill or steal or start wars, but we're selfish, wounded, manipulative. We're always taking steps away from who we were meant to be. 
And sickness is serious. Untreated, it can kill you. And sin is serious. Untreated, it's ruining the world. But I've come to believe that no disease gets the last word. No pain or evil does either. Because of what happened in Bethlehem. Because this story is still being written and the end is going to be good. So Jesus grew and, and, and Mary faded from the story. She was a human and she was a parent and, and that, that's a hard combination. But she kept these things in her heart long after her son was no longer a child except to her. Other people have written about Jesus' teaching and miracles and, and, and death. But isn't this a story you'd want to know and share? Isn't this a story you'd want to tell on a winter night around a campfire or at the bedside of a child or, or someone who is sick? I think people will write songs about this. I know I will never get tired of hearing or repeating it. I'm writing this down so that on the dark days, you and I and anyone can, can lift our eyes to what still shines. Bring yourself back to this story. Find some shepherds who have just heard the best news of their lives and, and run alongside them. Kneel by the, by the cradle with a tiny, tired family who simply said yes to God. Sit alongside an ordinary woman who discovered she was loved and cherished by God and know that you are loved in the same way. I believe more than ever that the journey to becoming well and helping others become well can take you anywhere. It gives me joy. And, and I hope it gives you joy and comfort too. It's a good story, isn't it? Is there someone you wish could believe? Is it a friend? Is it you? Faith is always a leap. But what I've discovered is that it's not as big a jump as you might think. And, and there are plenty of us waiting to take your hand and, and help you along the way. This is the story I want to tell. Because this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about.